Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are going to study the Prophet Jeremiah chapter 30. That's the Prophet Yirmiyahu Perek Lamed. This is Saul Weinreb, the host for the podcast. We just finished the discussion of the exchange that Yirmiyahu, the prophet, had with the false prophets. who The false prophets who in the early years of the exile were encouraging the people to rebel against Babylon. Encouraging and telling them that very soon God is going to... Um, Restore the exiles to the temple and restore the Judean kingdom to its independence and so on. While Jeremiah was telling them that no, because of your sins and because you refuse to change your ways, you now need to humble yourselves. The punishment is that you're going to have to be subservient to Babylon. The exchange went back and forth. The people didn't listen to Jeremiah. And unfortunately, complete destruction resulted in the end by the destruct, complete destruction of the first temple because the people would not accept the yoke of Babylon and they rebelled. We find very often, we find this in Isaiah, we find this in other prophets as well. Occasionally, when things seem extremely depressed and things seem really down, the prophet sometimes, so to speak, lifts up, lifts up his eyes to the future and here's an inspiration from God about the ultimate future. That someday, someday out there, one day everything will be right, everything will be good, everything will be reestablished. Chapter 30 and 31 is about that. It's about the future, the, the one day, the, thing, the future that's going to happen someday. The day that we're all still hoping for, but that we look back to the words like we're about to read in these chapters for the promise that one day they will occur, they will happen. And we hear it as in, in words that God speaks to Jeremiah, words of comfort, words of prediction about the future. Also, unfortunately, words that describe disasters that are going to happen, but going to happen to the evil when justice finally comes. So let's start Jer Jer Jeremiah chapter 30. Often in 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 many places they refer to chapters 30 and 31 as the Sefer Hashivut, the book of return, because these two make up a scroll that God asked Jeremiah to write as follows. Verse 1, The word which came to Jeremiah the prophet from God himself, saying as follows, So says God, and uh, as follows, for all of these words that I'm about to speak to you, I want you to write them down into a scroll. Why? Because there are days that are coming. And whenever you hear this language, this usually refers to is a language that, that points one's eyes out into the future. One day, someday out there, the days are coming, no Madonai says God. I will return the exiles. I will or restore the Shavuot, the fortunes of my nation Israel and Judah. Amar Adonai says God. So both the northern kingdom that had already been destroyed and the kingdom of Judah, which was barely hanging on to its last threads at this time. I will restore both, says God. And I will return them to the land that Sharnotati Lavotam Vireshua 
the land which I gave to their forefathers, and they shall possess the land, they shall settle it, possess it. It will happen one day in the future, they will come back. This is verse 4, and these are the words I shared. I want you to write this book down because one day I will bring them back. And I want you to write as follows, says God. And these are the words, and they should be addressed to the people of Israel and the people of Judah as they are now scattered across the world. At this point, only a small remnant remaining in Jerusalem and Judah. So says God, We have heard. We have heard the sound of, of fear and shaking, of terror. Pachad v'ein shalom. There is a, this awful fear without any peace. Now who is, it's God says, we have heard. What is, who is this we? There's various ways to understand this. One way is to understand that, um, according to the Radak, the nations of the world that, uh, during the time of the ultimate redemption in the future will be afraid because they will be afraid of the justice that's about to come. In Shalom, there is no peace. Um, I think that, that um, another way of understanding this is when we find this in Genesis as well where God speaks to the angels as we. Um, even though obviously the angels don't have any... Um, freedom of choice of their own but God still speaks to them as if there's a heavenly court and says I have, we have heard this sound of fear this sound of fear there's no peace in the world what's going on why are they so afraid down there in this world Sha'aluna uru'u this is verse 6 I want you to ask and see go see what's going on if, if we study, if we understand it the way I said it, it's as if God is telling his angels, go down, look around, see what's going on with these people. These people are so afraid, they're so scared. Im is it, it looks like the men are giving birth. The terror of a woman on her face when she's giving birth, with the, with the terror, the fear, the pain. We're seeing men screaming as if they were giving birth. The men are putting their hands on their bellies, on their, on their loins, on their groin, as if they were giving birth like a woman holding herself when the pain is, 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 is intolerable. And their faces have turned, have turned green. They, they, people are frightened. What's going on? Whoa, because the, the, that great day is coming. There is no other day like it. It is even a day of suffering for Yaakov, for the people of Yaakov, the people of Jacob. However, from this day of terror, he will be saved. He will be rescued. The, um, this fear, this terrible fear and awe of the day of judgment reminds us very much of what we studied in Isaiah chapter 13 and 14. And there's so many parallels that I think it's important for us to read to read that now, just to remind us of what we read there. In Isaiah chapter 13, God talked about um, the day of judgment. And he said, for example, raise up a sign, call out to all the nations of the world, 
I'm going to skip a little. Kol hamon beharim demusa. There's this tremendous sound among the mountains. Well, in there, it's merchak. People are coming from all the far and lands. Why? Because in verse six in Isaiah thirteen, ki karov yom Adonai keshod mishadayavo. The day of God is coming. This is the same day of God that Jeremiah is talking about here. Al kain therefore kol yodayim tirpena. The hands are growing limp. Most people's hearts are melting. And then, People are struck with pains like the pains of a woman in labor. The same description that Isaiah used, Jeremiah is using, of the pains of the, uh, uh, the pain that it's the worst pain that people can imagine, but that people can relate to because it's something that they would have seen, that they would have known. The pain of a woman in labor. Uh, verse 9, the day of God is coming, it is a day of cruelty, and so on. But if we continue into chapter 14, and we after reading through 13, and all of the fear and all of the awe, we then said, at the end of all of this, though, at the, at the why is all this fear there, we learn in Isaiah? Because it's the day of judgment. God is about to punish the wicked. And then it says, However, in the end, God will have mercy on Jacob. He will still choose his people Israel and bring them back to their land. And the other people from the other nations that are righteous that will convert, they will join the Jewish people and join them and come back. And so on. So that vision is the same vision we're reading about here in Jeremiah. It is a um, that day of terrible fear and pain. That's the Gadol Yom Kamo. There is no day like it, and it's even a day of pain for Yaakov because the guilty among the Jewish people are also being judged and being punished. And let's continue back now in Jeremiah when we're up to verse eight. And you'll see more parallels between this and Isaiah as we read. Some I may point out. Some you might pick up on your own. Will be on that day. No, says God. I will then, when that day comes, I will break off his yoke from your neck, the yoke of the other nations, the yoke that forces you to not be independent, the yoke that forces you to live their ways, worship their gods, and and so on. And you'll no longer um, work. Um, uh, and people shall no longer make slaves of the sons of Jacob. Very similarly, we also learned I, I, um, uh, in, in, in Isaiah, I didn't read this verse because I skipped it, but the nations will bring the Jewish people and, and, and those that those who used to be the whipmasters and the taskmasters of, of the slaves will now become the servants of the, the people of God. This is the same image that Jeremiah is saying over here now, that they will no longer be that. Who will the people, the Jewish people serve? Only God, only the Lord their God, David and their King David, that I will reestablish. Obviously not David himself, but the descendant of David, the one who represents the, the values of David and so on. He will now be put in Beata and you, verse 10, Al Tirav Diakov, do not be afraid. 
I know everyone is so afraid of those days of justice, but you, my son Jacob, do not be afraid. No, Adonai says, God, do not be um, terrified, my people Israel. You won't see me right away. There's going to be terrible times, but I will come from a distance, but I, and I will come and save you. And I will save you from those distant places, is another way of understanding this phrase. I'll save your offspring, your children, from the lands where they are being held captive. Jacob will return. And they will have peace and calm and quiet. And there will be no longer reason to be afraid and to tremble and to be scared. Because I am with you, says God. Verse 11, I'm with you to come and save you. I'm going to destroy all those nations that I scattered you among them. We're going to see later that this destruction refers to the evil ones, not to all of them. Jeremiah will specify that, but he doesn't specify that in this verse. But those nations that I scattered you among them and they treated you like slaves, they will be destroyed Completely, they will be wiped off the face of the earth. Ah, however, otcha, you lo I will not wipe you out. I will um, give you uh, um, rebuke and punishment in a just way for justice. But I will. Um, I guess the best translation of this is I will not completely get rid of you. I will not completely exterminate you. I will discipline you and there will be suffering, which is why that day is scary for Jacob too, just like for the rest of the world. Let's look at verse, continue now with verse 12. Kicho Omar Adonai, because so says God, Onush l'shivreich. There is, um, There is uh, uh, the, the shivrech, the broken bones or the wounds or injuries that you have are onush. They are not curable. Your wound is, is severe. It's terrible. The, this, you're in exile and you're wounded and it's terrible. There is no one else around who, can, who you can turn to. You can turn to all those nations that you're in, but if you turn to them, they can't heal you. They can't help you. They're only going to make it worse. There is no one who is going to um, plead your case for healing. No one is going to come to the to the to the court and say someone needs to pay for this doctor. Someone needs to establish a hospital to take care of us. There is no place to go to to plead for healing. There is no refuah. There is no remedy. There is no um, me- medicine that cures. All of those people that you tried to make deals with, you tried to ally yourselves with all of those nations, but they weren't honest. They forgot about you. When they didn't need you anymore, they forgot about you, and they're not going to come and help. They're not looking out for your benefit. They're not coming to help you when you need them. Because... I have, um, I have struck you with the uh, with uh, with the 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 blow of an enemy. God says, "I have struck you." The people that are that you are with, they're not your friends. They're not your allies. They are the ones with whom I struck you, 
as an enemy. They are your enemy. Musar achsari, in a cruel way, they've come to punish you. And the reason for it was because of the tremendous amount of iniquity that you had, the, trem- the sins that were so strong and so great. So I punished you. Why is it that you're crying out about this injury? Why is it that you're crying out that your why is it that your your pain has no cure? It, there is a reason for that. Al it's because of all your sins. In other words, going to your friends to look for help, pleading your the cause among the nations among whom you're scattered, that's not going to get you anywhere because that's not going to solve the problem. There's a reason why you have this problem, and the reason is because of your sins. And because of the strength of your sins and the amount of your sins, that's why I've done this to you. This is why, that's why, because of your sins, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm translating this wrong. I'm at verse uh, uh, 16 now. And the point that, that, that so, so I've done this to you for a reason. That's what we're up to. And then, then God says, however, Therefore, because these enemies are treating you so cruelly, and remember, Jeremiah kept on making this point, God allows this punishment to happen because we deserve the punishment. But that doesn't give the punishers, the enemies, a free pass to mete out terrible punishment. So they will bear the, the, the brunt of the punishment for their own sins as well. Just because... We deserved it doesn't give them a right to mete it out and to punish other people and treat them that way. So therefore, those people that devour you, shall they themselves be devoured. And those that cause you pain, they are all, themselves are going to end up being captives. And the ones who laid waste to you and crushed you, they themselves would be laid, will be laid waste and crushed. The Chobozazayach and all of those who, 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 um, who despoiled you or pillaged you at Tain Lavaz, I will make sure they get despoiled and pillaged as well. Because, because once the sin is expunged and once you turn back to me, Ki I am going to be the one that gives you a healing. These wounds, these, these sufferings that you have, I am going to be the one that heals you from them. No Madonai says God. Ki karulach, because, because they have called you an outcast. Those people have treated you like an outcast. However, Tzion he, this Zion Doresh Einla, no one seeks her out but me, but only God, and only God will heal you because only God is is the the reason for the punishment in the first place, and only He can heal. The um, I want to remind you if, if for a second of what Jeremiah said in chapter 24, verse 7, because I think it's important to understand this. Back in chapter 4, 27, when God talked about when will I redeem the people, they will be for me a nation when, when they come back to me with all of their hearts. In other words, what God is saying is, is the same point here. When is it that you will be redeemed? Not when you go look around to all those nations because there's nothing there. They're enemies. 
They're the ones punishing you. They're the ones hurting you. They're not the ones helping you. Only when you return to God, then I will be the one who heals you. I will be the one that 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 calls out to you because like we just read, because everyone else, to everyone else, you're just an outcast and nobody cares. Nobody cares about Zion. Only you do. Only God does. Let's go on with verse 18. So says God, I am going to to um, bring back the the captives of the of the Jacob's of of the tents of Jacob those that lived in the homes that were inhabited by the children of Jacob that are now scattered across the world I'm going to bring them back I will show compassion to his dwelling places and the city will be built up again on its foundations and the citadel will sit on its rightful place, on the just place where it's supposed to be. toda, And from them, from those buildings, what will we hear? Sounds of thankfulness. This is so key. When the people come back, what will be the key emotion that overcomes them? It will be the emotion of thankfulness. Thankfulness to God. Thankfulness to God for bringing them back. Thankfulness to God for forgiving them and healing them of their suffering, the kol and finally the sounds of people playing, they will grow, they will multiply, they will not be, be few, they will not uh, get smaller, they will, they, will, they, will, they will not be diminished. I will make them honored, and they shall no longer be degraded. And their children will be like they were before. The Mitsudos, what does this mean? They will be like they were before, like the old days. Like the old days, as the Mitsudos explains, in the old days when there was love between the people of Israel and God, when there, when God wasn't angry with them because of their actions anymore what, 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 at those days. That's the days that are going to come again, the days when there's only love between them. And the its community, the community of Zion, the community of Jacob, will then be established before me again and I will then punish all those who oppress them. This next verse is, is interesting because it says His leader, the leader will be from among them and his king shall come from among the people. The, there's various explanations but the most clear to me is, is that if we understand this in context, the current king when Jeremiah is saying that Tzidkiyahu, Zedekiah, was placed upon the throne by Nebuchadnezzar as a vassal. The king that preceded him was placed on the throne, uh, Yehoiachin was placed on the throne by the Egyptians. I'm sorry, Yehoiachaz, the one who preceded him, was placed on the throne by the Egyptians. In other words, the, 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 the rulers were, were put into power by extraneous powers by others but this ruler will come from the people themselves it almost sounds somewhat uh, democratic where it's the words say i'm not going to claim that they elected a king like we have modern elections but it is from within the people that the, that the leader rises this is a verse that does hint to the fact that the leader gets his leadership from being of the people from the people choosing him and I will bring him close, then and then he will be able to approach me. 
because who could possibly have the audacity to approach me if I don't bring him close to me first, says God. In other words, that what God is saying is, is that you can't, no one dares approach God if, um, if God doesn't bring him out first. In other words, God is going to point out who that leader is going to be. God is going to give him. How does that happen? It could be in a spiritual way, but it, but it's it's also God's going to give him the wisdom. God's going to give him the understanding. God's going to give him the compassion. God's going to give him the capacity and, and the reputation so that people will know who he is and understand who he is, and then he will arise from within the people. However, a person that approaches me without my consent, says God, that's the kind of leader who does not have any of those characteristics, does not have any of the compassion. Someone who simply stands up and grabs the leadership by force by himself, that's not the kind of leader that we're going to have in these future days of the Messiah. In the future days of the Messiah, the leader will come from among the people. Then, you shall be for me for a nation, and I will be a God for you. Um, he may behold, this is verse 23, we could end the chapter here. This is kind of where the chapter ends, but but uh, according to the numbering system that the Christians put in place, the next two verses are still part of 30. So I'm going to read them, and then I'm going to conclude with the first verse in chapter 31, which really belongs as as part of this little piece here. So, Hinei Sarat Adonai, the storm of God is Chema Yatza, has come out in a, in a, in a, with fury. Sar miskorer, a, a storm that shakes everything up. And upon whom does this storm fall? On the head of the wicked. This is a crucial, crucial point and a crucial verse. This, this Remember the fear and the awe of the day of God, the awe, the fear, the suffering that was described as the fear and pain of labor. Upon whom does it fall? Upon the wicked. The others are the ones that are redeemed. God's anger will not be settled until he finishes and completes his plans, which is, um, um, uh, uh, which is to do what? Which is to punish the wicked and reward the, um, the, 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 uh, the righteous. Um, uh, in the end of the days you will then understand it these four words are powerful words when will we understand everything only then will we be able to look back and understand now we'll never understand what we see this is a little bit of a, an, uh, uh, an answer to the questions that we always ask ourselves of why we don't see justice but in the end we will see justice and we will see the storm of God, Al Rosher Shaim Yahul, fall upon the heads of the wicked. But now I'm reading 31, just the first verse, because it really, it really ends this. It's connected in the Jewish uh, way of a system. This is connected to before, so I'm gonna finish with this verse. In that day, says God, Then, when justice is meted out, and everyone understands and sees that justice. Then I will be for a God, for all the families of Israel. They will all be for me for a nation. Thank you so much for studying Jeremiah 30. Looking, study, looking forward to studying Jeremiah 31 together with you.